1: to tell podcast episode 142 Dexter Henry Brian Fonseca here this week we have a guest uh, somebody who I've connected with via Twitter uh, we yeah. have never actually met in person although we've spoken multiple times via Skype DRB Walker she is a staff writer at Deadspin I love all the work she does DRB how you doing
0: I'm good how are you guys
1: we're, we're, we're good you know just trying to stay safe as we are every week you know just Social distancing, uh, managing through this world of craziness, but we're, we're, we're okay. We're okay. I
2: got, ra- I got rained on today on my way home. I didn't like that shit. <laughs> that kind of pissed me off. I forgot it was going to rain today. so ah, I got to get umbrella. That umbrella. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Whatever. I'd so, rather get rained on to get COVID. You know what I'm saying? So. That is true.
1: That is true. You rather, <laughs> yeah. rather have that, you rather have than that that going on. Um, so DRB, uh, um, like I said, we we connected via Twitter. I don't know, it's about maybe over a year ago. Been trying to get you on the podcast, was trying to get yeah. you in person to the studio. It just never it just kind of never happened. Um, but we're glad to have you here now. We like whenever we have a new journalist on here, we like to ask them, just you know, how you got into the game, how'd you get into the sports mm-hmm. journalism game and a little bit about your career? So just let the people know a little bit about that.
0: Okay, Um, so like Dexter said, my name is CRB, and I'm a staff writer with Deadspin. Um, Prior to Deadspin, I was just a general assignment sports reporter with the Philadelphia Inquirer in Philadelphia. Um, And I was there um, almost a year, or almost like a year and a half. Um, So I was there prior to my time here, and then before that, like I was in school. Um, So graduated from Syracuse. Had to put that in there.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, no, I'm for fuck. Hit
0: And so, um, yeah, then after that, I went uh, a little more a month later, started at the Blue Enquirer. Inquire. So, um, yeah, my career thus far, it's not that long, but um, – yeah,
1: it's okay. It's okay. So yeah. sometimes we have other people here who are like veterans. They have like a longer story to tell. That right. Just, it, just, it just means you're older. That's all. It just means you're older. You've been doing it for a while. What made you want to get into sports journalism, though, DRB? Like, what made you want to do that? Um,
0: I would say, like, going back to like high school, like, I went to like a big, like, football high school here in Houston. Um, And so, like, we went to like the state championships Um, for 5A, like, my junior year. And so, like, watching what happened that year, like, that was a pretty crazy just fall semester um we had like a riot at my school um oh. that was just very it was it was just a lot of stuff happening um and so watching what happened then to like then our football team like going all the way to the state championship like they hadn't been there in I think like 50 some odd years we played kyler murray's team and lost so it's it was definitely a interesting um time like in high school but that's like what ultimately led to me like wanting to get into sports journalism just like the stories around that and kind of like the community like coming together like even though like the situation happened like I think that was maybe like September was like the the scene of like the riot and so like um watching everything that happened in the months after was something that was interesting to me especially like just given like how big football is down here um so yeah
1: yeah, Brian, I feel like you have questions about the riot. I just can see it all over your face. <laughs> yeah, I see yeah. it. <laughs>
0: you, you know me well. I, I, I want to know more
2: about this riot and how uh, influential it was to kickstart your career while you were in Houston.
0: Oh, <laughs> I mean, I wasn't involved. I was a spectator. Well, I should say a spectator, but I was just, you know, like on the sidelines, you know, watching things happen. Um it's so was a football a- game
2: or what was it? Huh? this like at a football game or at a pep rally
0: no, so this was during like the actual school day at first it was labeled by like our administrators as like a senior prank but like we knew like at least like I was um a junior so like at the time like I knew that it was not a prank but um we had our administrators going out on front streets telling everyone like hey like this is not what you think it is but it's like no like the students like we're just kind of tired <laughs>
1: <laughs> what what were the students protesting if, if you don't mind me asking if you could say
0: it was just like a number of things like it was just a lot of stuff happening at that time period like administration like was not like our principal like he was kind of just like a prop in a way and like we just felt like we needed more um just in terms of like everything um so it just felt like we were in like the the thing about like the high school that I went to, like it, it's like one of like the largest high schools, like in the city of Houston. So like, we're always sort of like the puppet when it comes to, Oh, like this high school is great. Like, look at this and look at their test scores for this, that mm. and a third. And so it was just like, well, you guys are doing nothing for us. So this was like their way and like getting back. But even still, like we had like our administrators, like we out there trying to like cover themselves. So, Interesting. Yeah.
1: Interesting. Didn't want to empower the kids to be,
0: active right. for what
1: they want that's that's right. interesting sounds like a They're lot of other things going on billion. in this country I
0: mean I think yeah. this happens everywhere <laughs> where, yeah. but it just it's just worse I feel like when it's like the school that's like always like leaned upon to be like that that great like prestigious place Um not saying that that was like I guess, like, our school – I guess, like, it was prestigious to a certain extent. I don't know how how a high school could be prestigious, but they looked to, like, my high school, like, to be the staple for everything. Like, great with Houston um, school district, like, academia. So, yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, Was Syracuse always the goal from coming out of Houston?
0: Um, sort of. So, like, I was, like, weighing between, like, Howard and Syracuse. Um, I was, like – I was – Like for some reason, I was like convinced that like I wouldn't get in there. And so I was like, if I don't, then I'll just go to Howard. And so I visited both of those schools. I like both of them, but I ended up going to Syracuse. I was like, whoop. And then I also have my degree in marketing as well. So um, they let me like double major, which wasn't something I like, I think I could have done it at Howard, but it wasn't something where they were like, yeah, in four years, you could get done with this. So. Yeah.
1: That's I didn't like that answer. No, 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 no. I have no problem. <laughs> so, so DRB should know. I have a long-running joke with uh, my friend Kimberly Martin. We, we like to you know, I like to take digs at her for going to Syracuse, and she likes to take digs at me for going to Pitt. So we we're always it's a friendly. It's, it's not bad. Yeah, yeah, it's it's an ACC thing. Going back to the Big East when we were in school, it's 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 yeah. not it's nothing serious. So I don't, you know, I'm not like anti-Syracuse people. So you know, I like you, and I, I just gave you a little bit of a boo, but it's it's all love. It's it's, it's not it's nothing <laughs> serious. All right, so speaking of colleges,
2: he hates Duke more actually.
1: Yeah, probably do. Um <laughs> Speaking of colleges, right, um, I reached out to you, DRB, because you wrote this piece uh, for Deadspin, and it was titled, Shrugging Off COVID Heart Complications. Um, By shrugging off COVID heart complications, NCAA has gravely failed its athletes. Um, And there's been a lot going around the NCAA and college football and people wanting Mm -hmm. college football to return. Before we get into the heart stuff, right, (laughs) the, the idea... We we had another person on on this podcast, Jay McManus, who talked about this. But where did you stand at the beginning of this pandemic, just in terms of sports coming back and the ability, but just not even sport college sports, but just sports in general? Where did you stand on that? Like, what did you think should or could happen with sports?
0: um I think like back in maybe like March I was thinking okay well maybe since the virus is like exploding here like maybe the U.S. would come up with a plan I was not sort of I guess like you could say like I've been tune like with politics but I didn't know that like it was this bad in terms of like the incompetence like everywhere <laughs> and I'm not just speaking at the federal level like I like I know like in New York for example like Como has been fairly good in terms of uh, strategy and things like that. But generally speaking, like most of these governors, like they could care less, like they are just centralized into making money, like people's lives are just not a priority. Um, And so when I first was like back in March, I didn't know that it was this bad. Um, And so naive me was like, oh, well, By the time, you know, football season comes, like August, like that gives us like maybe four or five or so months, like at least we'll have, like our situation should be better. It's only gotten worse, but I was thinking that it would get better. Like this is enough time for at least like if the federal government isn't going to get their act together, some of these governors will try to um, piece something together. But um, yeah. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I wouldn't <laughs> even I wouldn't even say that's naive because I mean that was a general thought like we have yeah, enough time to get stuff together by the time football comes around
0: mm-hmm. and now
2: we're in August and it's kind of like yo dog uh like so what are we going to do and right I don't think anything I don't think we I don't know if we made any progress on this front at this point right now
1: So you talked about DRB you talked about like local local government if you want to say and like even governors Uh and 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 that and and it seems like the issue around college football has become so politicized and it's hard to ignore the fact that it's politicized right you've Uh got uh a lot of people who seem to be on the right wing that are in favor of college football uh, coming back um and it seems a lot of people on the other side not in favor uh, of that how how have you what are your thoughts on how this is all sort of broke out, I guess in the last month or so, right? Like everything kind of coming on about this. Right. How, how, what are your thoughts on how everything has kind of been really divided on this issue?
0: Um, I think that, I think this was like inevitable because like at this point, like, I guess like a month ago, I just had come to realize that everything in this country is going to be politicized. Like, Public health is going to be politicized. Like everything's going to be politicized. So naturally, college sports, any sport, is going to be politicized. So um, I guess like a month or so ago, I personally just assumed like we were getting football and that these players were just gonna just be at the expense of their conferences and institutions because these people could care less. Like I stated before, I think we can all see that money has become front of mind, not saving lives. Um, So that's been like my general assumption, even up until a month ago. So
1: You would also think that the recent uh, story that came out from ESPN that you kind of touched upon, too, that there are Mm -hmm. the recent myocarditis inflammation Mm -hmm. of heart and reduced lung capacity that they found in um, at least five Big Ten athletes. Um, this mm-hmm. was according to ESPN. You think that would have changed some of the ideas or mindsets around it, but it right. seems like it hasn't. When you look on Twitter and how people react, and we talked about how people reacted to your story, um, it hasn't changed that. Do you think people are taking any of these health issues seriously as we're starting to learn things a little bit more about COVID-19?
0: Yeah, I mean, I just I don't know. Like I like I saw today that the Ohio State quarterbacks started a petition to get the season back reinstated um the fall season and I'm just like do we just not care? Like I just don't understand. Um I I just don't understand people's um, thinking processes as as um I guess like directing like your question to the heart condition. Um it's not just mito I don't even know how to pronounce it.
1: Myocarditis, I believe that's
0: Myocarditis. Myocarditis is the most well-known, I guess, um, form of this heart inflammation. But there's been other, I guess, heart discrepancies or heart um, problems with people that have had COVID. So it's not just this heart inflammation that has turned up in COVID um, recovering um, victims. So... I guess, like, for me, like, you'd you'd think something like this would stop people. I mean, it stopped everyone else in the world. Like, no one else is sort of rushing back to sports. I think New Zealand started sports again, um, but they somehow eliminated the virus, which you, you know, wonder how, how, why can't we? But, um, I mean... I think sort of at this point, it is what it is. Like we see sort of our leadership wherever it is, college, athletics, government, whatever the situation is. I think that the Big Ten was sort of forced to as well because they had those, I think it was maybe like a thousand, a hundred players that signed a position a petition telling um the conference that they had to meet certain um health protocols before the players would go out there um so it was a lot of pressure on them even before those five students were found to have um that heart um condition so um yeah i mean like like you see like the southern conferences in the acc that are still trying to get a season off the ground and i'm just wondering why like (laughs) because it's like it's worse down in the south so
1: Some are always looking for more sports content, and among the glut of sports media, some are looking for sports content that dives a bit deeper and doesn't just stick to sports. So check out Backpack Broadcasting's original long-form sports journalism series, Sideline Stories. The award-winning original series takes viewers directly into underrepresented communities within the world of sports. It's a series that goes beyond traditional sports reporting, like box scores and statistics presenting exclusive stories that you won't find anywhere else. With a diverse group of correspondents, the series provides interviews and interesting stories around the world of sports because there is so much beyond the game and so much that occurs off the field or court that impacts each of us and the world we live in. Giving a voice to athletes, coaches, fans, and everyone involved in athletics, Sideline Stories looks to push sports storytelling further than ever before. It's a winner of the 2020 Independent Shorts Awards, and all episodes of Sideline Stories are available for viewing today on Backpack Broadcasting's YouTube channel and Facebook page. That led to my kind of next point. I know Brian and I have been wondering about this, right? So Big Ten is out, Mm -hmm. Pac-12 is out. Mm -hmm. How are we having any kind of a college football season, whether it's the SEC or the ACC, Money. And do you? Well, it is money. Yeah, the answer is money. It's DRV right. said before, yeah. right? The answer is money. Always, always are the root of
0: this. Yeah. <laughs> always, yeah.
1: right? I guess my question then is, how can? Uh, and I guess we could also throw the Big Twelve into this too, right? How can the presidents of these universities, the athletic directors of these schools, mm-hmm. they've been very silent. We haven't heard anything from them. I haven't heard anything from my school, University of Pittsburgh. You haven't heard anything from Syracuse. We've heard nothing.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, Syrac- Syracuse's AD, I think, spoke out like a couple Oh, did he? Ago. Okay. Yeah, because um, they were saying something about like non-conference um, games or something to that extent. And um, he said that non-conference opponents have to go through certain protocol before they can play and compete against like our athletes. So I don't even know what the extent of the regimen is. I think I wrote about this maybe like a month ago um, at this point, but as it pertains to the regimen and the the expectations that the NCAA has 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 put out there, I think even Sergey's pointing this. They're only testing players three times a week, and I still think that that is not enough. Um, like especially when you think about the fact that the vi- like you can literally be carrying the virus for up to fourteen days before you test positive. Like that, in and of itself, doesn't make sense to me of why there's not testing at any given point. Like over a forty-eight hour period, they could interact with ten people and then have a positive case. And then what happens? Like I, I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, th- I I think it's unbelievable. The SEC has been and ACC and Big Twelve have been this quiet. Then yeah. we saw Oklahoma. Brian, you saw this too what they had nine yeah. players uh test positive and it and they seem to be trying to kind of sweep this under the rug as if it's oh this is just nothing that happened.
2: Well, and yeah. you have other schools and you have other schools telling players that yo don't report your symptoms like we just want you out here playing. We don't care. You know what I mean? Like we have that going on as well and it's like I think I think at the very least teams should be just delaying the season until the spring cuz maybe you'll have the football spring? in the spring.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I mean, so I I wrote something yesterday about the spring season. I was sort of, like, just fishing around, like, asking agents, like, NFL agents, like, how this would impact them, like, leading into the draft. And, like, agents would just were not fond of a spring season. They were just saying, you know, like, this is just not a good idea. Um, One of them said that, like, it would just be better off if players like that either – are intending on going to the draft but they might have like another year of like eligibility like somehow like they should put this off until next fall and if they have to leave now and they have to enter the draft just go straight into the draft like um one of the um agents that i spoke to he said that like your draft stock might drop but hmm. if you're predicted to get drafted just go ahead and declare for the draft like don't participate in a spring season um and so i thought that was interesting too I don't even know if we're even going to have like the the anticipation is that we would have a vaccine by the spring. I don't know if that's even going to happen. So I think like there's also sort of uncertainty on that front of like, well, if it does come to February and there's still no concrete vaccine that's out there that could actually prevent the virus or prevent you from um, catching the virus, because 50%, um, I guess like shieldability. I, like, I don't understand, like, the purpose in getting that vaccine because that's currently what's being tested here in the U.S. So um I think personally that um, we're just going to have to see. <laughs> yeah. So it,
2: pretty much what, it, what's what what's been in your reporting? What's been the anecdote that has surprised you the most in covering all of this? The thing that you've heard that you were like, wait, 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 what? Like,
0: Um. I think first. I guess, like, I could just go back to, like, the story, like, that I even, like, reported on yesterday. I think, like, first, like, I was just, like, confused, like, when the agent first told me, like, no, like, a spring season is just a bad idea. I was just, like, could you explain, like, why? And then, like, he, like, ran down, like, what exactly happens, like, during that springtime period, whether it's, you know, like, the, the pro days are usually February and March. And then it's, like, so that's when a season is. And then when you start going through it, the combine is late March. And then when you start, like, moving through, things it's like oh and the draft is in april so it's like all of that like that timetable of a season on like layered on top of what already is happening during that time period i think it's just very absurd um just to say oh we're just gonna slab a season on top of that like i Mm -hmm. don't know how that's even feasible so
2: i don't know how any of this is feasible right now to be totally (laughs) honest i don't know how i don't know how I
1: don't know how life is feasible at this point right now. <laughs> so DRB, um, mm-hmm. there's the other side of things. If, if, you know, just to be fair, there's the folks that say we need college football, right? Really there are college towns, really small don't. college towns, where a lot of the econ- economy in those towns are dependent upon the schools that are there, right? And, right? and sometimes those college football programs. So those people say we need college football back now It has to happen. What would you say to that?
0: Um, I would just tell those people, like, please just do a little Google search to see what are the side effects and or residual effects of catching COVID. Because I don't think people really know. Like, they've taken what Trump has said as it pertains to younger people and actually, like, Taking it at face value and it's like yes younger people are surviving COVID, but they don't even know what their quality of life is even going to look like in a month two months three months so i just think that like all of this a lot of it has to do with the fact that maybe like <clears throat> a lot of like the i guess cable news that people are watching like it's not as much of an emphasis on what's been happening to individuals once they've catch COVID. A, a lot of these people are avid um, cable news watchers. And that's not like personally just watching, like that's not what's being talked about. Um, but just simple Google search of like what these side effects are would actually help inform people's opinions on this virus a little better. It's not the flu. You're not going to have a heart condition if you catch the flu. Um, so it's just like simple things like that. Where like, you're not going to have lung damage. If you catch the flu, like, Like, these are simple things where it's like when people tell you this is like the flu, you can just say, I don't know about that. Because this is not something that you would get as a residual effect of catching the flu. Like, yeah, so.
1: It's amazing we still have to even explain that to people at this point. Like, I I I find (laughs) it absolutely amazing. A couple more things. What did you make of the players sort of uniting together? Because I was kind of encouraged Mm -hmm. about that at the beginning, especially what we saw out of the Pac-12 and the players from the Big Ten. And then everybody sort of coming together. Um, I'm actually surprised there actually hasn't even been more of a groundswell in places like the SEC and ACC, right. but the players come together. Was that an encouraging sign to you that, like, we might be able to put a stop to to this season, college football season being played?
0: Um. Yeah, I mean, I think what the Pac-12 players did, I think, like, we and the media, just as, like, spectators and watchers of this, like, we've been sort of saying for, like, a while is, like, these players can really determine if we have football or not. Like if they together say, I'm not comfortable playing, like this virus is still very much so pervasive. And I don't feel that us testing three days a week is sufficient for me to compete out there. If they made that call and decided to sit out, what are these schools going to do? So I mean, I guess they could rip their scholarship. I mean, you'll need the in terms of the talent on the field. So it's just for for me as a person watching, it's just like thank you, finally. Um, and then the Big Ten sort of followed, not as aggressive. I think the Pac-12's list of things came out of. I um, I wrote about like a new study that came out, sort of dispelling how much money is made in like college football and sort of how much money generally speaking a like average college football player, depending on what conference they compete in um, would would um, make and so they used that study um, to sort of formulate their list of demands. So they were asking for a lot of other things, even outside of football players. Like they were wanting to make sure that sports were not cut and sort of the endowment from the university. For example, I think they use Stanford uh, would like cover sort of the. Um, that would cover like sports that were non-revenue generating sports so that they wouldn't have to be cut. Um, So they have like an entire list of things um, in terms of things that they wanted to get met. I don't know if they'll get all of those things, but I think it was just nice to see the PAC 12 be the first ones to come out and say, we're not playing. Like, so.
2: Have you heard anything? I know we're, Obviously he's talking about football because it's in the mm-hmm. fall, but we're soon going to be at the point where we have to start thinking about how this is going to affect college basketball. So have you heard right. anything on that front in your reporting and how that could potentially push back like the winter season and anything of that nature?
0: Right. I mean, you know, like Rick, Rick Pitino, he I know people don't like him, but he <laughs> for, looks like a vampire. For, yeah, yeah <laughs> for, for deserving reasons. But um he released, like, a tweet, I want to say, like, it might have been, like, a month ago. He was oh, just like, yeah, I mean, he was, yeah. he was he was telling the, the um, NCAA, like, you know, it would make sense, like, if we just didn't play until a vaccine came out. I think he suggested, like, the season start in January um, instead of, I think they normally start late October with scrimmages and then the season starts in November. So, um, I presume that basketball will not start before January anyway since fall sports. Um, especially for the Big Ten and the Pac-12, um, are canceled. Well, I shouldn't say sports, but in terms of football, like that's canceled. So I presume basketball just naturally will be pushed back as well. Um, but I haven't heard anything specifically for um that yet, we still haven't gotten a NBA draft yet, so that's a whole nother. That's right, So, I
2: think that's October in, as far as scheduled
1: schedule. from it's scheduled right. for like mid October after the finals. Woo,
2: done. We're cutting it close everywhere, yeah. Baby. We are, Very, we are right.
1: So, 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 guys, what's interesting with this, and I, Brian, I was talking to you about this earlier. The NCAA's chief medical officer, um, came out and said in appearance on CNN, he said, There's no way we can go forward with sports, everything would have to line up perfectly. DRB, I feel like that kind of lines up with what you just said in terms yeah. of that it doesn't look like we're going to have sports. It looks like it's pretty bleak. <laughs> I was surprised that somebody from the NCAA or involved with NCAA actually said something about this. Because they've yeah. been they've been pretty quiet on this. I'm talking about as a governing body.
0: They um, have...
1: have you been shocked at this silence of them? I don't think I'm not because we know they don't care about college athletes. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah. I think
0: it would be naive for us to like Think that call that the NCAA at any branch is caring about the safety of these athletes and like they're thinking about their bottom line um and so that's the biggest thing. I mean like I'm surprised I didn't know that the chief medical officer actually came out on CNN to say that um but that's good that he came out and said it because I think that people like even after like you said like the ESPN story of those um five big 10 play, uh I mean athletes like I think that like people are kind of rethinking um <clears throat> not p- people but I think like just generally like folks that are working in athletic administration are thinking about what is this going to mean for us two months from now. Um, And I think, like, the point that you made about Oklahoma, like the nine positive players, like, I think that they have to be thinking too. Like, I know this hasn't happened and it hasn't hit their campus, but, like, they have to be thinking about what's going to happen with these nine guys, like, in terms of what is their health going to look like in two months. Like, so – I don't know. I think this whole thing is just a mess. When you look at Michigan State and Rutgers, their entire football teams had to quarantine for two weeks. I'm just like, this can't happen during the season. Like, I don't know how you're going to quarantine an entire team. I see it's happening with Major League Baseball, too. But, like, how are you going to quarantine an entire team for an extended amount of time? Like, that doesn't make sense.
2: And unlike unlike the professionals, the players aren't getting paid to do this.
0: Exactly. So it's you like, what are we really putting
2: them through? You know what I mean? Right. Just to Generate revenue for the universities. And I think... records, records is another one. I read that. I was like, God damn, son. That's mad right. positive test on records.
1: That's the thing I have a problem with, right? We have... And and, it, and, and to, to take it out of the context, guys, not just in college sports, but also just... We all went to college. And we've all been mm-hmm. on campuses. And right. there are... I'm not even sure the students should be there. The, the general student body. These are athletes that play sports and then come back to campus and mix with this general student body and then are Uh going and practicing and playing this very close contact sport and then potentially traveling again. And I think it's on the adults, the presidents of the schools, athletic directors, et cetera. It's on them to protect these students. And it seems like nobody's really stepping forward other than the students themselves, the student athletes themselves, to protect them. And I think that's what's just really disappointing.
0: Right. I was I was going to add, too, I don't know like if you guys saw this, but the University of Georgia, they were having a massive outdoor slash house party last night, and it was packed. And I was just like, I don't know what country you guys are in. I don't know <laughs> what part of the planet you're in, but there's still a pandemic going on. So... I'm just confused. And I think that it also makes me wonder when Nick Saban came out and said that, you know, the players are more safe here on this campus than they are back at home. I'm just like, well, actually when you think about college campus culture, Mm -hmm. with respect to a contagious virus, like COVID, I would think that it's actually worse for them to be on campus. Like they're, interacting with with way more uh, people i think like you have a lot of these schools too that have decided to go to just online classes i don't know what the deal is with georgia because it looks like the entire student body has returned back so <laughs> i'm just confused about everything <laughs>
1: <laughs> no D- drb you make this good point right it's and i think the point that you're making is somewhat that in a college campus culture Students mm-hmm. are gonna be students. You can't yeah. expect the students to not be students. They're gonna be out there, hanging with each other, drinking, nice. engaging in other activities that we all were around or a part of at some point in college. You can't expect the kids to not be the kids. It's only adults. It's on the adults to protect them from that. What'd you say, Brian?
2: I said around or a part of is funny. Yeah, around or a part right. of. I'm
1: not saying everybody partook in everything. I'm just saying this, we all went to college. We know kind of what goes down in college. And yeah. <laughs> come on, it, it, it's got to be better. All right, b- before we get you out of here on, on the college sports, how ha- have you been shocked with the NBA has gone pretty well so far in the bubble before they start letting right. families and stuff in? And baseball... That even,
0: would be interesting. That I mean, will be I mean, interesting, I mean, I'm, right? I'm going to watch that because that's going to be interesting. Yes. Oh,
1: yeah, for um, other
2: reasons,
1: too. For many <laughs> other reasons. I think, yeah, we can see how things get a little families messy.
2: families are going to be coming into the bubble? You know Uh-huh. Yeah, Are certain players gonna have more than one. Like that's the shit I'm gonna be looking for. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> um, when you look at that, you brought up baseball, DRB, and talked mm-hmm. about how that's been a disaster. It's been a mess. It the has. NFL is trying to play, which I think is also oh. quite ridiculous. Although
2: Jones said we get fans in Dallas, boy, <laughs>
1: which is crazy. Yeah. And
2: no. I I've, I've
1: spoken to a couple of people who cover the NFL who told mm-hmm. me, look, this this is going to they're going to try to make this happen as best as they can. They're going to at least give this a good shot. Um do you think the NBA is okay? Do you think the NFL is crazy like I do for even trying this? Like what what, what do you think about the way major sports is as a whole in going forward yeah. in trying to play through this pandemic? Yeah, I mean like
0: the NFL, I I don't know. Like, <laughs> that's I, that's perfectly like fine. there's that's a perfect answer, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean Like, if you're the NFL, like, you see what's happened in Major League Baseball. Baseball is not a contact sport. I mean, like, I guess theoretically it is. Like, you do interact with people. But, like, generally speaking, like, you're not regularly interacting with people. So, like, when you see entire teams having to quarantine or entire teams that have to take a bus across the country... Um, because half the team's infected. Like, I just don't know how this is even going to work. Um, and I think that this is really sad that it's like, hmm, let's see how this goes because these are like people's lives. And it's like, like I said, like people don't know what their quality of life is going to look like after this virus. Like that's the biggest thing of like speaking to like doctors, even Mark Hamilton, like he's a former Cardinals player that I spoke to about this. It's just like, and he's now a a medical doctor. So for him, it's just like watching this, it's just been like, okay. I mean, he said himself, he's like, you know, uh, this was before baseball actually got back going. He was like, you know, baseball might be able to work, but like a sport like wrestling, that would definitely not work. And like, Hmm. I was just like, I mean, yeah, I mean, football is sort of an in that same category of, like, if you're a lineman, like, you're literally breathing on, like, the person on the other side of you, like, throughout the game. So, like, I just personally don't know how this is even going to work. Um, I hope that the NFL is learning from Major League Baseball, but I don't even know what there is to learn. Yeah, right. It seems like they have, like, the right protocol in place, but it's, like, either players aren't following it or they're still catching it. Like, you have the situation – I think it was, like, the Indians, I want to say – like their ace, I believe, I don't remember what team he's on, but he tried, to, or I think two of them, two of their um, oh, friends yeah. tried to smoke out. Yeah. And like they got caught because they're like, well, why are you trying to, you know? So it's like simple things like that where it's like even the players aren't even taking the protocol seriously. Yeah, right. I don't know how yeah. that's supposed to work. See, that's the thing
2: that you run the risk of, especially when you don't have a bubble because you have so many people there. It's like we're all not going to follow the rules because some people are going to think that And and a sport like baseball, which is heavily populated one way, you're going to have a whole bunch of people that are probably going to think a certain thing about the virus and not take it that seriously. And then all it takes is one to bring it back, which then becomes 10, 20, 50, and then all of Major League Baseball has COVID. And the NFL is going to be interesting because there's 100 people per team traveling In in terms of, like, players, staff, uh, coaches. all those people.
0: And, like, I think, like, right now, like, the, the thing with the NFL is, like, right now they're testing every day. But according to their agreed-upon terms, and I was—I uh, got like a, a notification, like from the from the players association, like they said, like they asked for the time period to be extended because at first it was only supposed to go like daily testing was supposed to go for two weeks, and they were supposed to see the the um, positive rate. And I think the positive rate was like a little over two percent, so they continue to do ta- to to do daily testing. And so I was just like, is there something else to this? But it's not. But I'm just thinking like. You know, like when the season gets started, like right now, players are not really interacting with folks that like they aren't seeing on like a daily mm-hmm. basis. Like think about it from the standpoint of like when games start, you're flying it, you're flying to different cities and you're interacting with players that aren't that, that, that you aren't seeing regularly. How is that supposed to work? Because um, I can only see that as being a disaster. Just generally speaking, and I think the point that you made to about 100 people flying on a Playing together to these different places like I mean if you're not daily testing like I don't know how this is going to work and even when you are daily testing you still are gonna have folks that they might test negative and then turn up two days later and test positive but their interaction was from three days ago like it's just like things like that where it's just like contact tracing like they're not they don't even have, have a plan for that so it's like I don't know how this is gonna work
2: yeah, it's that's, a, that's kind a, of
0: frightening and weird. So, yeah,
2: and yeah. that's something that's something I was gonna bring up too because it's like we don't know where certain dudes were at the night before, or certain people were at the night before the mm-hmm. game starts. You know what I mean? Like we just don't. There's just so much uncertainty it and like they don't have a bubble situation. and They're not gonna put one together because it's too late. So I don't know. We're and, gonna we're gonna just see madness. Yeah. I,
1: and in terms of that and before we wrap this up, the madness that I'm concerned about, guys, is and, and this is kind of even more so on the college football front is, you know, what's it gonna take for people to wake up on this? And and sadly yeah. I would say it, is it gonna be an athlete Severely becoming ill. I don't want to go as extreme to death, but that's obviously a possibility here. We've but seen it might people die from this, it it might have to be but rats, right, so. you know, or or is it even something like? Because I think what a lot of people do is they make this either you either you die from this or you don't. And I think what we've been talking about, what Drb highlighted in in her piece too, is that it, we have to look at the complications that could come from this right after. Mm-hmm. So what happens if we find a, a prominent athlete has COVID nineteen, whether it's college mm-hmm. football or NFL? And then they get back out in the field and then we realize they collapse or die in the field because of l- lungs, their lung was damaged or their heart. Yep. They had heart failure. And those things are then through an autopsy or whatever is then linked back to COVID-19. These, right. What I just laid out is a real possibility. Um, it is. Why? I guess mm-hmm. the question I have is from what you, people you've spoken to, DRB. Why would anybody even around college football want to take that chance? Well, you know what? I just answered my uncle. You know what the answer is. Money.
0: It's money. It's money. Yeah, I mean, I think we all know the answer to that. Like I stated earlier, these governing bodies, they only care about one thing, their bottom line. So it's just like you would think that they would care about the folks out there putting the product out there on the field. But that's not what the concern is. And so, I mean, generally speaking, like the average person would care about these things because they're pretty important. Um, a lot of folks that are turning up with COVID are people that are having some level of lung damage, whether it's their lung capacity has 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 a significantly um, small end or whatever the case may be, you are having certain things that are happening to you that could affect your quality of life going forward. So even if it doesn't take debt, I don't understand why there's chancing like this. But then I also have to remind myself that money is what this country is about, whether it's governors that don't care because they want their economy open or the NCAA trying to still have Division I college football. like They all have the same um, key sort of think process, I guess, if that's the right way to put it. So
1: sadly yeah. they do. It, it, it's really yeah. sad. DRB, thank you for yeah. your time. We we appreciate no you finally <laughs> coming on here. We hope the next time we talk to you on here, it's about something a little happier, uh, right. a, a, little, a little bit hopefully more optimistic.
0: Have, yeah. I mean, hopefully COVID, I mean, this might be even like too far fetching, but hopefully we have something, soon to mitigate this because it's just disheartening some of the times <laughs> yeah, it it, yeah.
1: It, it it really is uh thank oh. you you can check out uh drb's work on dead spin she does a great job uh and all the articles she writes she also was part of my sports voices <laughs> matter piece uh that i had that came a couple months ago yeah. i interviewed her for that she was great on that um so definitely check her out there drb be well. Be safe in Houston. All right.
0: Yes. Thank you. You guys do too.
1: Thanks so much.
0: One time for your mind. One time.
2: One time for your mind.
1: One time. One time for your mind. This week we're not going to have two uh, different things we talk about. There's only one thing to talk about, and that's because we are a couple of days away from a new Nas album. King's Disease, if you're watching this podcast and you can see that Brian is smiling like crazy, he cannot (laughs) hold his excitement in. But what Nas gave us uh, recently, Friday, before this podcast dropped, he gave us the first single off of this album. And we knew the title a couple days before. It's called Ultra Black. It was blackity black. And (laughs) it was exactly what you thought it would be, at least for me. Um, you know, this album is rumored to be produced entirely by Hit Boy. Hit Boy produced this track. Um, yeah, it's just a song celebrating black pride, yeah. real ultra black. That even got one other rapper pretty mad.
2: Um, air quotes, Dexter,
1: and air, air quotes there. Uh, yeah. pretty mad. And if they're mad, so be it. Uh, I like this song, man. The song is jamming. It's a good vibe. Uh, even if you're not black like Brian, yes, you can still enjoy this.
2: I um, said as much at the end.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, in the last bar. Yes, he did. And yeah, yeah no, I, I think it's a really good vibe. It has me really hyped about this album and excited about what Nas is going to talk about. Uh, but what was your first reaction to this song when you heard it? I know we texted. We both made sure we after midnight we stayed up and listened to this. So, yeah. yeah.
2: That, that was the night that I actually wanted to get to bed early, but then I was like, wait, nah, I can't wait till the next morning to hear this. I got to see what was going on because as much like Nas is as sure of a thing over the course of hip hop history to me than, you know, most other artists by comparison, just going through like he's had great songs basically each decade that he's put out music. So I'm looking at this like I'm just hoping he doesn't get a little, little experimental because at times when he's done that in his career, we have gotten zone out. <laughs> which we've talked about in certain other things. So and Nazir. Uh but for me or, I was like, or
1: how or how about let's just think back to a little bit over a year ago when we heard the first thing released uh, for the Lost yes. Tapes 2, which was uh was that Jaru of Rap?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nas, why yeah. did you do it? Why did yeah. you do it? I don't know why that was a, I don't know why that was on The Lost Tapes 2. I don't know why that was the single. For me, I would have probably just put out No Bad Energy. The Lost Freestyle. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know why was,
1: that song was created. That'll go. Yeah. Like that.
2: But for me, I was that's what I was and, and part of it was that. I probably should have led with that. Like I was just hoping like, yo, just if Nas just if he just if Nas could just be Nas, then we're gonna get a great song. And I feel like we got that. I feel like we got that. Uh the sound, I don't know what I was expecting before, but the sound got Caught me a little off guard when I first heard it. Like I felt like I didn't see that beat coming. I didn't think it was going to be as mellow. I kind of thought Ultra Black was going to have a more aggressive tone, but I actually liked that. It was like it was kind of a song that you would two-step to with a drink in your hand. You know, it was like some grown folks bop to it. Like I really liked it. I
1: literally try to picture you doing that. That was hilarious. <laughs>
2: well, I, I <laughs> for remember... for
1: for many reasons of why that would not be, but yes.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. We've, we've talked drinker, about something. Yeah, nor am I that much of a dancer. Uh yeah. um, but I, it's to me, it's a very good song. Um, there are some track lists being floated around in the ether, which I think we can talk about as well. I don't know if any of those are real. I think and, not. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. They seem plausible, but they also seem like oh. I could picture Nas with this person. I think you brought this up when we talked about it the other day. Like, oh, I could picture Nas with this person, so we're just going to put it here. The song titles even sound like things that you would put in Nas' record, so it's really elaborate. If they are, though, if they are, Nas and Anderson pack has to happen. So if they are, I hope that that is the case. But, now, nah, really good song. Um, the Doja Cat line, I don't even think it was as malicious as people are making it out to be, but who cares? for you know? Fuck Doja Cat and her fan base. Who cares?
1: Um, the line for people who don't know is unapologetically black. Um, let, oh, let me pull up this line because I forgot exactly what he said. But he's basically saying he's the opposite of Doja Cat, who's had a lot of problematic things regarding black, being anti black.
2: That's the other thing I was like, her fan base is like vehemently defending her, and people are saying, oh, it's whack that Naz will go after a young woman or whatever the case may be. And it's like, do we not know about her history? Like, do we not, excuse me, know about how she got problematic to begin with in the first place? Like, who cares, man? And then people were pulling up numbers like, oh, Nas is sick because he has uh, 26 million less monthly listeners than Doja Cat does. How about listeners over the course of an entire career? Like, what do you mean?
1: Numbers is just a, is a weak argument. And the line is, we're ultra black, unapologetically black, the opposite of Doja Cat. Um, listen.
2: Uh, about about you know.
1: unapologetically black which is what this song is I look I think people get way too sensitive about anytime somebody mentions everybody's name and it's not a diss Nas names plenty of other names in this he's just saying he is not going to make excuses for blackness or be anti-black which Doja Cat has done at times in coming at uh you know the hairstyles of black women and other things like that so she is half black, but hasn't sort of presumed to embrace that all the way. Um, And so there is a lot of anti-blackness going on. And so I think that's a lot of why this song is being made. I don't think it's necessarily a diss. It's just bringing up, pointing out to something that's, uh, you know, it is what it is. It's like, if somebody says today, you know, 45 is a racist, like, yo, we know this. That's not a diss. That's just me being like, we know this. is a diss. Yeah. You know what I mean? Don't body yourself as a diss. People, people are so, hungry for like disses sometimes in hip hop where it's like yo y'all reaching man like y'all y'all doing a little too much like just, just calm down like ain't nobody trying to hear no Nas and Doja Cat battle and not because no, nobody's trying to hear that nobody asked for that I don't even know why I was going to try to explain that like nobody asked <laughs> for that right like nobody said that they wanted this and you know who knows they don't want it Doja Cat she, you know what I'm saying she knows this so come on what what are we talking about
2: it's a it's a it's a very good record i'm glad it came out it also caught me off guard like that being the first single i'm curious to see like what like where it'll now is the test right like where is it going to be sequenced in the album is what i want to see because i remember life is good is of my lifetime the nas album i anticipated the most because i was coming off the khalif's divorce and all the stuff that happened there between those two and I was old enough to where I felt like I had a good enough ear to expect certain things. Nasty, had come out the year before, but I didn't. We didn't really know like it was gonna be it on the just, album. Yeah, it
1: was just Lucy. Yeah,
2: so Lucy that came out, fire record, and I think the first like real single was the Don. It was. I think I think it was the Don, and when I heard that. Saw the video, saw that it was produced by Heavy D, who had just recently passed at the time. I was like, "Yo, son, like this this album's gonna be crazy," and it was. It was it's it's to me Nas's second best album.
1: I was just listening to it the other day, and it's and it's sonically, I love the sound of that album a lot. Very cohesive in terms of sound. The producers, Nas workers. So Brian and I spoke about this the other day about you know rappers who lock in with one producer, and we probably will see this on this album. At least it appears so. With him and just Hit Boy. So I'm intrigued with that. The name of this album, King's Disease, has me very intrigued in terms of is Nas going to be talking about greed? Maybe the uh, you know the desire for more that we see, especially around capitalism and everything that's going on in this country with health. Um, I wonder what the focus is going to be in this album. Because I think when Nas gets focused on a concept and really good, as we saw with Life is Good, uh, the celebration of life, even though there were things that recently gone on in his life that made it challenging... Um, there was this kind of message throughout the album of that you know there's things you can enjoy and things that he was taking time to enjoy, so it's really good. I, I I expect him to talk a lot about it. I think when Nas is on the theme and inspired and really works with a producer that's trying to get that theme out of him, because we saw him just work with another producer and I'm not sure he really got the best out of Nas. Um, <laughs> I think this can this could work, so I'm really excited to see about the subject matter and theme, and if he locks in and if and I said this to Brian, and I mean it's not to make a Jane Nas comparison, but I want to see if this is sort of at this stage of where he is in his life, in his early 40s, as a uh, you know sort of his 444 and looking and more not impersonal, but looking at the world. I think life is good was that in a way for him, yeah. um, but that was eight years ago, and he still was in his mid 30s, and so I think. Uh, you know, this time in his 40s and where he's looking at the world and what's going on is going to be very interesting. Um, look, man, I'm just excited and to I,
2: hear, I also, hear some rapping. And yeah, and yeah, I want him to talk a little shit also. I also want him to remind some people because, I mean, look, getting Hit Boy is strategic to me. To also, because if you're getting Nas and DJ Premier, which I think we need to get at some point, you're also targeting a very specific audience, right? You're targeting the hip-hop heads, the day ones, People who have been there since the beginning, I think in targeting – well, I think in getting Hit Boy and aligning with him, you're not just getting a great producer, but you're also targeting a specific sound. I think Nas is maybe trying to skew younger – not younger as in the kids and try to get them to dance or whatever, but I think he's trying to get, get to the young adults as well. You know what I mean? Who are really experiencing through all this in real time? Well, I think like the, Ultra, Bl- Ultra Black kind of gives me that vibe a
1: little. Yeah, bit so. but I think I think the thing about that is like when you listen to Ultra Black, like the production is just enough that I feel like it bridges the gap. No pun intended. That's in in, yeah. in all those in all those uh, those different demographics, like it doesn't sound like, and it's not the single I would have expected. You kind of hit on that beat. It's not the single I would expect him to come out with out the gate. It's not your typical single. It's extremely pro black, which works at this time. Um, in, in in that we're in, but I think him coming out with that is signal. The way it sounds, you know, Ultra Black in a way sounds like it could be like an extension into sort of Life Is Good. If you really think about it sonically, um, in terms of that, and it, it still has like you know, it's not like multi layered. It wasn't trap style, but like it's fun and light and it knocks
2: and. Well, Knox yeah. only needs like two instruments. Like he's demonstrated that throughout the course of his career. Oh yeah, he sometimes people... less is
1: less is more for him in the production.
2: If that's the thing. People kill him for like his beat selection. I think mostly unfairly because there's been a ton of classic beats that he's rapped over and not just on Elmatic because people will say, Oh, they're on this first album. That's not like, true. Made, like made you look and all of life is good. Didn't happen. Those are incredible like production for the most part, but he's not somebody who needs the greatest beat in the world for a song to stand out. He is somebody who really just needs a couple of different instruments. You just loop it over the course of however long and, you Know he's gonna give it to you, like, oh, like, this wasn't even the best beat the Hit Boy put out this week. The Anderson Pac uh, song with Rick Ross, I think, has better production on it.
1: Yeah, really maybe good. that's
2: debatable for some people, but I think that the Anderson Pac production, uh, the song has better production on it, but this is the better song to me.
1: Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. I absolutely agree with that. So, yeah, no, it's it's it's, it's I'm excited, man. I'm excited for it uh thematically we're a couple days away um the next time we are here we will be talking about the album we will be breaking it down looking at what we liked maybe we didn't like uh we'll definitely be talking all about that um it's a must we haven't really done that with a particular hip hop project thus far this year but this is one of these and this is one of the artists where it's time and we're gonna do that and so you know undoubtedly man like Hip hop has started taking a really good turn in the last six weeks. I feel where we've had some really good music, um, including some singles and stuff come out that I'm really pumping and
2: enjoying. Uh, Conway Method Man,
1: that's oh, a man. 11. Yeah, yeah. If you haven't heard that song, go listen to Conway's Lemon, and it's really all about the Method Man feature. No disrespect to Conway, who did yeah, he held his own Conway of that. Conway brought
2: it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. as Method Man has a verse of the year
1: candidate, candidate. absolutely. I, I mean, absolutely. The first, like, the first six bars are... Yeah, they're just... They're, they're, it, yeah. It, it's it's uh. a great verse um, that I didn't see coming or expect. I always say I didn't expect from Method Man because I feel like the last couple of times I've listened to him rap, including he spit on Sway in the Morning a couple of years ago with Black Thought, and he was ripping it. Um, yeah. And he seemed to be really more focused, and his pen had gotten a little bit sharper. I was really impressed with him, actually. Um Boy. Yeah, so... It's good. Oh, if you haven't heard that Nas uh, single, go listen to it. Ultra Black uh, was very necessary right now for the time uh, I Know real Me.
2: Qu- keeping quick, everything ten- Ultra Black. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Real quick, 10 seconds. What did you think of the Drake song? Did you hear it?
1: Yeah, I, I heard it in watching the video. Uh, I think the song is cool. I think the video had will give some people, I think rightfully so, issues with commercialism. It's a Nike yeah. ad. He shoots a lot of it on the Nike campus. Uh, Kevin Durant, Otto Beckham Jr. is in it. Uh, Little Dirk has a verse in the song. It's it's cool. Like the song is cool. I haven't really bumped it since. I probably it's, pl-
2: it's Drake. So people here's the sure. thing.
1: I haven't gone back and bumped it since, but I've probably played Ultra Black like 50 times. So
2: really, wow.
1: That tells you a lot about.
2: I have played it a bunch too. Yeah, I
1: played, I played it a bunch. It. I've been riding around. I had it on like around the house doing some stuff. I played it a lot, so I've just been zoned into it. i am um, probably playing it as soon as we're done with this podcast. So that's yeah. it. Yeah. My thoughts on the Drake thing. Drake, uh, we'll see with his next album. Uh, we know he's told us he's not going to ever give us the classic that people would want because he's got to include some singing in it, which I think is disappointing, but we'll see. Um, sure. Well, Drake, you,
2: you're you the one who can move He can do to, whatever like, he wants. Shift the culture. Yeah. It's
1: disappointing. You can do whatever you want. It's disappointing. Like, it, it, in terms of that you're with Drake.
2: You're not going to have a classic album on your resume just to appease your fans who are actually going to listen to your music regardless of what you do anyway? Yeah, I don't
1: think... I, I, That's I, a
2: leave that for another day, but like... It's for another
1: day. Drake said that on an Elliot Wilson uh, title podcast interview a couple months back. And yeah, I, we can get into that another day. Brian and I had a conversation about that the other day. We can get into that another day. But Nas, Ultra Black, really good listen. Uh recommend everybody check that out we're not uh not paid
2: to say what'd you say and we're not even paid to say that
1: we're so. not paid to say that despite our podcast being called the ain't hard to tell podcast maybe we can get Nas to try to come up on here and talk about that we're working we're working come on Nas. you know you want to <laughs> you know you want to come, come talk to us you gotta come on the ain't hard to tell podcast i mean yeah yeah right <laughs> i mean if there ever was a podcast come on this would yeah. be it we're going to try to we, look. We are trying, people. We will try to make that happen. We'll see what we yeah. can do. All right. Yeah. That's it for this episode of the Hotel Podcast. Got Brian way too hyped now. Uh, thanks again to our guest for this episode, DRB Walker, staff writer from Deadspin. You can check out the great stuff she's done, including her article, Shrugging Off COVID Heart Complications uh, with the NCAA. Uh, really good read on that. Uh, please continue to support us, rate us, review us on wherever you listen to podcasts, and be sure to check out all the content and uh, episodes. We have a lot of great stuff coming back up. B, you got something to say?
2: And the now two-time podcast award, uh, sports podcast of the year nomination for the People's Choice Podcast Awards.
1: That's right. Two-time.
2: You can go to podcastawards.com, vote for the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast to win the sports category because we lost last year, but we got in the dance. You know we got in the playoffs. Now we want to win the championship, so you can help us out with
1: that. Yeah, yeah, we try. We're trying we try to win. Trying to trying to stack up some more more hardware. All right, for my man Brian Fonseca, I'm Dexter Henry. Until next time, y'all. Peace.